Listening to the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, 98.1 WQAQ, entertaining Hamden, New Haven, and the world. The new WQAQ, from the underground up. They can see this right now, Jack, but we are I, witnessing Ben, ben Kane dancing outside of studio right ben now Kane. off a fire French Montana song, and I'm sure he loved every second of it, so this that is, was pretty I, cool to see. This has got to be the most hyped French Montana song yeah. in the history of existence. It literally says, don't stop, so you just don't, don't stop. stop. Pop that, pop that, don't stop. Pop that, pop that, hey. <laughs> That's yeah. got to be one of the most hyped songs that we've entered to in a while. I mean... 
Imagine this is like your walk-up song. I mean, Drake, Rick Ross, and French Montana when he didn't absolutely suck. Maybe when uh, we play softball again next spring, we can bring it back with uh, the walk-up playlist. Hey, so. a walk-up song's are got to be elite. That's got to be the number one priority for every intramural softball team. Walk-up song. Yeah. Walk up, good. Having quality walk-up songs. Yeah. I mean, like, we we intro into the show every single week with, you know, a song. We try to make it a, as hype of a song as we possibly can because, I mean, obviously, we're the number one show on, on 98.1 WQAQ. We have to come in with some hype stuff. Where's Eric at? Eric's. Sorry. I just got an email from my professor. Um about a very interesting topic, and I actually wanted to share this too. All right. Um, I'm not going to name any names. We're just going to call this professor uh, Ronnie P. Ronnie P. Not pushing P, just Ronnie P. <laughs> um, if you know, you know. Anyway. <laughs> okay, um, well, I don't, so. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy is the type of professor that, like, you know, you know when it's, like, you know, the first week of classes and, like, you have a three-hour class. Yeah. And the professor knows, like, we don't really need to go the full three hours. Let's just get out at, like, David starts at three o'clock. Let's get sure. out at like four, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This guy de- thought he needed to go the full five fifty, so he reviewed the syllabus for the first hour. We did another assignment the second hour. In the third hour, he was like, "Oh shoot, I need to fill fifty minutes. Let's review the syllabus again." And then for a recent homework assignment, which he posted as like the week assignment for like uh, this past weekend, he's had a discussion board. That's due was due today from nine and it was only po- was only supposed to go live from nine in the morning to nine p.m. at night. Just today, just today. So twelve a hours. twelve hour time frame to get a discussion. That's which not is a lot a, of time. Not a lot of time, but like you know, granted, it is a discussion board, so like you sure. can't really complain too much. But you know, wh- who who does that? Who does like a twelve hour time frame for any assignment? That's tough. It's like very very weird. Even like a. a Three day week class in college. That's just no I, weird. No, yeah, no, I, I can't I can't get my wrap my brain around that yeah. at all. But this guy like didn't even have a discussion board post like available. And I just got an email now saying we're gonna postpone the submission for uh the discussion board because everyone in the class is messaging him. Um, hey, we can't submit, we can't submit. He goes, Hey, I fixed it. We go, No, you didn't. And now, a, and now he's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I didn't fix it. Is this when it's new, an hour before the assignment was supposed to be due. Is this a new professor? No, he taught here last year too. Really? Yes. Ricky P. And if you know, you know. Yeah. Who, who Not his, we, his, his real name. That's his, uh, that's his, uh, that's his alias. This is the code? This is the code word, yeah. This is the code. Yeah. Interesting. We're not, I'm not Interesting. trying to get caught in the WQ. You are going to get exposed on 98.1 WQAQ. We're not, we're not, we, we don't have any... Ill intentions over here at ninety eight point one. Hey, you know what I did today? What'd you do? I got boosted. Nice. I got dude. boosted. Everyone, go go out there, get vaxxed. Yeah. Protect yourself. There's really no harm in getting it. You know, nope. we're, we're not going to get all political up in here, but please go protect yourself. Go get boosted. I got boosted uh, a few weeks ago for uh, yeah. school started, and I also read a video today that was really cool about COVID. Getting the vaccine is that if you get the booster, it just increases the amount of cells that you have in your body that fights against the virus because the way COVID attacks, it manipulates your cells. But if you have more T cells that are fighting against it from the vaccine, then that fights off the uh, COVID and other variants like Delta and Omicron much quicker. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, the only reason why I got boosted so late was because I got COVID 
right after New Year's, so I had to wait until um, un- until I had a little bit more of a gap in in my last in my in my positive tests. But you know, I- I'm total. I'm feeling totally fine. You know, I got it around two, so I might be feeling it here in a couple hours. Did you get it on campus here? I did. Yep. Good. Quinnipiac was offering the uh, the on on campus clinic. I said that's a no brainer. I'll just walk over to Bird Con. Stick a needle in my arm, shoot, shoot whatever that is up into my up into my immune system, and I am officially invincible. No, I'm not invincible. Not Keep invincible. wearing your masks. Keep getting yourself vaccinated because look, people, we we want to end this bogus. Yep, and uh, bogus. I also I think the there's another one too. I believe it's on February first. Correct? Yeah, I, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow is February. literally tomorrow. Yeah. So if you're listening tonight, if you don't have your third shot yet, <laughs> go get your third shot tomorrow. It happens tomorrow. Alrighty. We have a lot to get to this evening, including a special guest. Eric yes. is, Eric is yes. still working on. Sorry. I, I do need the note sheet. I, I, that has not yet been shared. So, uh, whether I or not. I was supposed to share it to you. <laughs> this is the Mac and Main show, Eric. Of course, we have to share our notes together. I thought it was every man for themselves, man. No. <laughs> well, how long have you been a part of this show now? Two seasons? Is an everyday member? Not, uh, not officially two seasons yet. It's about to be two, season and a half. To, it's about to be two seasons. Anyway, we have a lot to get to this, e- this evening. Special guest Adam Kaufman of WBZ News Boston. He's going to stop by here in a few minutes. But right now, we need to get the show rolling. So let's get underway with it. Cool and Dre. This is the remix for the city. Let's just start snapping. Crack hit bleak on the jack like let's make it happen. You're listening to the Mac and Main Show. The Red Sox just had one of the most remarkable runs in recent postseason memory, so I'm not mad that they lost in six games in the ALCS. Hosted by Jack Main and Eric Kerr. Jason Tatum needs to stop taking these contested shots. He needs to find his open teammates instead of just taking a fallaway mid-range with two three-hands in his face. Come on, man. Quinnipiac University's number one radio show. The biggest priority for MLB's new CBA needs to be when the service time clock starts for when players are eligible to become free agents. Streaming worldwide at WQAQ.com. It is 8 o'clock on a Monday evening, and you are tuned in to 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Jack Main, Eric Kerr, checking into the booth for the second time in 2022. What an NFL playoffs. I mean, if we didn't say it enough last week, we we just we we're going to continue to hammer that this is one of the greatest NFL playoffs that we have seen in our lifetime. We are getting absolutely spoiled. And I saw this coming too, because especially with the AFC, everybody is so, so close in the standings. Like maybe within one or two teams from each other for all the, the top spots. And that clearly showed with how every game has been close. We've had upsets. Literally, the four seeds in each conference are going to be representing themselves in the Super Bowl. Like, what are the odds of that? Both number four seeds getting into the Super Bowl. It's simply unreal. And the fact that we have, you know, a Joe Burrow Bengals team that literally finished in the bottom of the AFC last season that's now in the Super Bowl. In a Rams team that had Jared Goff just a year ago, now has Matthew Stafford into the Super Bowl. It's pretty crazy. Like nobody could have predicted that. I, I did. I could never predict that Odell Beckham would be in the Super Bowl this year. That yeah. that Joe Burrow would be in the Super Bowl. Jamar Chase would be in a Super Bowl, and that Patrick Mahomes would be out of it after an amazing game against the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round. 
it, it has been one of the wackiest playoffs that we have seen in our lifetime, and we can only expect nothing but the best from these two teams. And also, I was pointing this out to Lowe yesterday, that this is the first that we, we went 54 years with the host city never participating in the Super Bowl. And then in back-to-back years, the host city has their team playing in it. It's unreal. It's unreal, the odds of that as well. I mean, yeah. you know, and that definitely can set up a big advantage for the Rams going into this matchup because all we know of is obviously the team that's at home in the Super Bowl winning the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay last year. Granted, that's one game. We can't base that resume off of just from one game because we know how well Joe Burrow can handle uh, odds and scenarios that are stacked up against him. He literally won two games on the road in a row against the number one and the number two seed in the AFC to get here. Mm-hmm. So there's still a great possibility that he could do it again yes. in the Super Bowl. It is. It is. And he was the only quarterback this year to beat Patrick Mahomes twice. He is going to be, and you brought this up to me the other day, uh, he has the opportunity to be a Heisman Trophy winner, a national champion, and a Super Bowl champion in three years. Un- unreal. Unreal. Is unreal, and that has never been done before, correct? I I couldn't tell you. We'd have to get a, a football expert on to talk about that. I can't. Peyton Manning never won a Heisman, right? Brady yeah, never won Brady a Heisman. never won a Heisman. Mahomes never won a Heisman. Yeah. Baker won the Heisman. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. Yep. He also never won a national championship, which, so like, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow really has a chance to put himself in elite company amongst the NFL greats, amongst amongst football greats, and he hasn't even been on the, on an NFL field for more than like 20 games. Yeah. Here's the, here's the main thing with this upcoming matchup that Joe Burrow has to watch out for, and that's the Rams defense, you know. For the past couple of weeks, he's gone against like okay defenses. The Chiefs, we know they aren't a great defense. Titans are okay. Uh, they've had their ups and they have their downs as a defense. The Raiders don't have a great defense. Nope. This will be a good test for him because the Rams, they stack themselves up on defense in that front four with Von Miller, with Aaron Donald, giving him pressure through the trenches. It's going to be a main thing for him to deal with going against that kind of pressure because any quarterback does not like that doesn't like being doesn't like being sped up. Well, you saw what happened when Jimmy Garoppolo had to try to drive down the field for a two minute drill. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it. I no. mean, granted, Jimmy's not Joe Burrow. There's definitely a skill gap there, but still, it just goes to show how effective they are. I did listen to uh, Sunday NFL Countdown before uh, we came in here. Yep. And one of the things that Booger McFarlane was saying is that he likes the. Bengals to win this if they can get past that front four and attack the secondary because yes. the real weapon on that secondary is Jalen Ramsey, but that's it for the Rams. They don't really have any other help of the safety or corner spot. So mm-hmm. if you can get past that as Joe Burrow, you know, hey, Jalen Ramsey's going to cover Jamar Chase. Well, I still got T. Higgins. I still got Boyd. I still got Uzama. And even Joe Mixon out for the a screen pass that worked so well against the Chiefs last week. Yeah, and... You know, the the Rams have one of the best front sevens in football, and you don't need to look past anybody other than number 99, Aaron Donald. And then on top of that, they added Von Miller at the trade deadline. The Rams might be the best-run organization in football right now, considering they made a huge franchise-altering trade, basically saying, sorry, Jared, you're not the answer, bringing in a proven veteran in Matt Stafford at the trade deadline, recognizing that they needed help 
Cam Akers, didn't he like tear his Achilles six months ago and now he's already back and playing? Yeah. Which is absolutely And they insane. made the most out of Daryl Henderson, who we thought nothing of in and, the preseason. And Cooper Cup is now gonna be is an MVP candidate. And they went out and they go and they trade for Odell Beckham Jr., who at the time he was just kind of uh, a luxury and then ended up becoming one of the biggest necessities that the Rams needed down the stretch yeah it's no secret the rams are all in this year and they have proved that with the moves that they have made in the offseason and still in the regular season so this is this is uh this is the bust year this is it or bust for them you really think so i i think so because i don't know if they're gonna be able to to keep all these pieces for future years consistently i'm not sure what the contracts are like i didn't study up on the rams contract extensions but there's a lot of players that they were able to get, yeah. you know, with a tight budget for like, you know, one or two year deals in the scenario. So thinking about that, it's going to be hard to keep everybody like this for years and years down the line. So I think this is the year where they have the best shot at winning it. It is a remarkable return what the Rams have done, essentially taking one core to the Super Bowl less than two years ago and taking another core to the Super Bowl uh and flipping the entire script of that organization with the exception of uh, Sean McVay, who has been the who has been the rock of that organization. And if he wins this Super Bowl, he has already got credentials that I believe would make worthy of a Hall of Fame head coach. And he's only yeah. been the head coach of the Rams for less than five seasons, I believe it is. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. He has never had a losing season as a head coach, and he's taking the Rams to the Super Bowl under an entirely different unit. In the entire Brady-Belichick era, there was it was always Brady and it was Belichick, and now here's Jared Goff taking two separate quarterbacks uh, into, the, into the Super Bowl with two separate units and two totally different uh, styles of play. And, you know, if we look at, you know, what the, what the Bengals should do offensively, they are a high-flying offense. They have... One of the best quarterbacks in the league. They have one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. They don't have a. They have a. They have a great running back core headlined by Joe Mixon. It, it, really, they have the ability to deke and dunk their way around this Rams defense. I want to look back on that 2019 Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Rams, essentially using Julian Edelman as the main as the main guy to move the ball around, not putting the pressure on Brady to throw into. Aaron Donald and throw into tight coverage. So, you know, let's see what the what the Bengals can do offensively in order to get around one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, I think a patient game will definitely be key as to that pass Super Bowl. And I also mentioned too, they got to find where Ramsey's not and just attack it. And you, I think also a big storyline too is the Bengals coach Zach Taylor. You yes, know, just came in at 2019, and within just a three or four seasons of time, he got this squad to the Super Bowl. Nobody could have predicted that. Like maybe we had the Bengals at a two, more like a three spot, had them probably behind the Steelers and the Ravens in a lot of predictions at the start. Sure. And now they're here. So it's just crazy. That storyline, I think for the Bengals, is even bigger than, you know, the Rams like coming out on top here because the Rams are going all in. Like this is the team they wanted to get to zero with, and they are here, so they're a pretty good favorite in my mind. Yep. But a huge story would be if the Bengals would somehow win this, considering they only have a you know a second year quarterback and a rookie star wide receiver mm -hmm. on that offense and they're already here. It's, it's insane. Absolutely remarkable that both teams got to where they are. Listen, we're gonna do something we rarely ever do. We're gonna take a short break right now. When we come back, 
WBZ News, Adam Kaufman is going to be joining the show. He's going to break down what the Patriots need to do in the offseason and what the Celtics need to do with the trade deadline to get their season back onto the right track. You are listening to 98.1 WQAQ. This is the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, 98.1 FM, the new WQAQ. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who do I swim for? I swim on my high school team for my mom, who gets up at five o'clock every morning to take me to practice. I swim for hugs from my teammates, spaghetti dinners, and my lucky neon green goggles. I swim for Coach Murray, who pushes me to dig deep and finish strong. More than 7.7 million American teenagers participate in high school sports every year, including about 111,000 here in Connecticut. They're all learning essential life lessons, like the importance of hard work, time management and self-discipline, Skills that are helping them become better leaders and more active, responsible citizens. Most of all, I swim for myself because I learn more about who I am and who I want to be every time I dive into the pool. That's who I swim for. This message presented by the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference and the Connecticut Association of Athletic Directors. Hi, is this WQAQ? No, this is Patrick. Hey, is this WQAQ? No, this is Patrick. Hey, uh, is this WQAQ? No, this is Patrick! If you actually want to get in touch with us, give us a call at 203-582-5555. Weird WQAQ, 98.1 FM, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Right here on the airwaves of 98.1 WQAQ, Jack Main, Eric Kerr in the booth. Special guest today, 
WBZ News Boston, Adam Kaufman. He's the sports director over there, and he has joined us today to talk a little bit about the end of the Patriots season and the future of the Boston Celtics. Adam, super great to have you. Thanks for being here. Feels like the Pats ended months ago, doesn't it? It's insane that we're already in the uh, championship season and and uh, and the fact that we everyone who made a bracket for the NFL playoffs can basically burn it up and <laughs> yeah, tear it, it, it up. That is never that is never going to uh, that's never going to happen again. Who did you pick before uh, before all the chaos last weekend? So, God, I'm trying. I mean, I never really filled out a bracket. I just kind of, you know, I, I typically just sort of go round by round and, and you know, think about who I like, which is sort of, I guess, a, a cop out way of doing things. But uh, certainly, I mean, a lot of my picks along the way have been wrong. I mean, I, I expected more from the Packers. That was probably the team that I, I would have projected as as the Super Bowl winner. And certainly they were in that conversation, as we all know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought better of the Bills. I mean, nobody in their right mind had the Bengals, obviously. Most people expected the Niners to lose. I would have thought Tampa. I, I was really on the fence between Tampa and L.A. I, I just that was kind of a coin flip sort of game to me. And, and obviously, in reality, it turned out to be one. But I was never a huge believer in the Rams throughout the regular season. But what they obviously did last time out uh, has, you know, made me respect them a lot more anyway. And so we'll we'll see where things go. But I, I think we have. We've got a fascinating final four ahead of us on Sunday. I, I mean, I truly don't know which way these two games are going to go. It certainly is going to be one of the most remarkable finishes to a postseason and one of the greatest postseasons of all time. But close to home over in Foxborough, the Patriots have a lot of questions that they need answered. So many things went right for New England that led to a 10 and 7 record and them getting a wild card spot. They even held the first seed for a couple weeks during the season after an upset win on Monday Night Football. But they have a lot of pending free agents, including Devin McCourty, J.C. Jackson, and Dante Hightower. So, Adam, what is going to be the Patriots' biggest need on the free agent market? Well, it's just amazing because, like you said, only a couple months ago we were talking about this team as the number one seed in the AFC and a, a true contender for a Super Bowl. And can Mac Jones do it in his rookie year and and you know be that a la Tom Brady first year quarterback to take them all the way? Uh, obviously, Brady was in his second year, but first year as an actual starter to where we are now, where you know you, you watch that Chiefs Bills game last weekend, divisional round weekend, as so many people did, and went, oh crap, like. How in the world are the Pats supposed to keep up with this? So, yeah, I mean, this this is obviously a it's a multi-year rebuild situation. They went out, they addressed a, a good chunk of needs. I think that you can examine what they did last year. You can say, obviously, they've they've got who we believe to be their quarterback of the future. That's not a uh, unlike this time last year. That's not a position that you feel like you need to address. They drafted really well. I think they've got a great backfield. Clearly you need a number one ride wide receiver. I mean, that's, that's evident. Obviously Nelson Aguilar, much as I like the guy, he's a good guy. He hasn't panned out to this point it by any means, let alone for what they paid him. You know, Kendrick Bourne proved to be a really good addition. Jacoby Myers would make a, a, a great number two. He's just not, you know, a, a, a true number one. I mean, there are different guys that are going to be available, whether it's, Odell Beckham Jr. or Allen Robinson or, you know, some of these like they you hear their names and you see them play and you think that's a number one wide receiver. You know, that's a that's a guy that the Patriots, you know, the, the caliber of talent the Patriots haven't had in many, many years. I don't know what those guys are going to cost. I don't know if they're not going to necessarily re up where they are. I don't think Allen Robinson wants to be back in Chicago as an example. But, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, the the way 
these dominoes are are going to fall. But it's 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 apparent. It's overly apparent that they need a number one wide receiver. I think they thought going into the season this past year that that wasn't something I was tweeting about it like crazy saying this feels like a problem not having even a a Julian Edelman type like that guy that you can just definitively rely on in the slot and and can get you you know I don't know 80 to 100 catches and and give you a thousand yards like the Jacoby Myers seemed like the most likely guy to be that guy and that's that's just not good enough I think they went into it thinking we're gonna have the two tight end set you know set we're gonna throw back to the not same talent skill sets but in a, a very general sense throw it back to the days of of Rob Gronkowski and and Aaron Hernandez in signing Hunter Henry and John U. Smith and Henry was a, a really good red zone target and got you some big catches along the way, but didn't have robust numbers by any stretch. John Smith was terrible, you know, all year long. So that signing has not worked out. He needs to have a bounce back here. They need to get real production out of those tight ends. And then just very quickly, I guess, on the defensive side of the ball, I think what we, you know, we use terms like paper champs uh, all the time. We saw that statistically speaking, uh, they were, kind of frauds you know they were one of the top defenses in the nfl for that stretch of the seven game winning streak and and other points in the year and 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 had really good again cumulative raw numbers at the end of the year but what we learned certainly against buffalo and multiple matchups and against other teams along the way that was the difference between say 10 wins and 13 or 14 wins during the regular season is when they really truly needed a stop at the end of a game they couldn't do it they just could not do it. So, you know, part of that was was Matt Judon fading or injured down the stretch and other guys who didn't perform, you know, even the the Jalen Mills injury and J.C. Jackson not necessarily, uh, you know, living up to the, the hype that he puts upon himself on a regular basis. But they need to go out and not spend one hundred sixty million dollars again. They don't even have that to spend again, but they need to go out and make some noise. So the the big question right now surrounding the, the entire NFL is, is how are these quarterbacks that are set to become free agents and the ones that could move from, from their teams, how are they going to move about? Because right up the road, five hours from here in Waterbury, Vermont, Brady Farkas is saying that there's a possibility that Russell Wilson could be a new England Patriot. What do you think the likelihood is that the Patriots try to upgrade from Mac Jones after just one season? I mean, I, I think if Bill Belichick is, is thinking that way, that, screams so many different things you know that he doesn't believe in mac jones as uh as as a true guy that that you can you know have lead you to a championship because you know if, if you go out and you upgrade a quarterback and and plenty of people would say that getting uh, a russell wilson or an aaron Rodgers, if he's no longer in green bay or some of you know it's it's a very small group obviously in terms of veteran qbs that could be on the move that that are of that caliber that talent and have that championship experience if you are going to upgrade and bring in one of those guys somehow some way trade or whatever it is you work it out in this magical make-believe land that actually happens you are destroying Mac Jones confidence. I don't see how you're not, you know, I mean, how, how can you possibly, if you're him, believe that your organization that took you 15th overall or whatever it was, obviously midway through the first round last year, that, that it believes in you and that it wants to build around you and that it has faith in you 
when at the first sign of, of trouble after on, honestly, what was a, a, a good year overall, I know they didn't do what we wanted them to do, but it was a good year. It was a, a positive year, certainly for a rookie to go out and, and take this team to, to 10 wins. You replace him, you know, you make him the backup. It just, that's a striking message. That's a painful message. And I'm not sure that's one that, that, you recover from. And that's not me saying Mac Jones would have a bad career. It just means I'm not sure it would work out, you know, in new England with Bill Belichick. I I think that you would be saying, okay, we're, we're moving on because you're not bringing in one of those guys again. And this, to me, this is like the land of make-believe, but if you're bringing in one of those two guys, just as an example, you're not doing it for one year. You know, you're, you're finding a way to do it for multiple seasons. You know, you are deciding you're committing to go forward with that guy and seeing where they can take you and speed up your championship window. I don't think it's remotely realistic, but I understand it's a silly season. There's going to be a lot of noise and, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to attempt to keep things relatively sane along the way. Once again, you were listening to the Mac and main show on 98.1 WQAQ, Eric Kerr, Jack main alongside Adam Kaufman joining in the talk. All things Boston sports. We're going to shift from the field to the court here in this one, Adam. We're going to talk about my personal favorite, the Boston Celtics. And right now, they've been a little bit of a teeter-totter the whole entire season, as you may know. Winning some games, losing some games, some heartbreaking losses where they've had as many as 10-point leads and have somehow gone to choke them at the end of those games. There have some good moments, too. Obviously, Jason Tatum dropped 51 uh, the other night against Washington. So there have been some good positives for this team. Right now, they're at the ninth spot in the play-in. Uh, I guess the question I want to ask you, Adam, is where do you think the Celtics team is going to go from here? Do you think that they're going to look to make a big push at the deadline and try to get some key pieces that could get them going forward to that actual playoff position? Or do you think this is kind of let's just dump everything and rebuild? Well, I mean, they just beat the Wizards and Kings by a combined, what, 85, 90 points. So fire up the duck boats, man. This is this is a, the dawning of a new day. These are these are champions waiting to happen. No, look, I mean, they're they're doing what they need to do, which is beat up on bad teams, which honestly is something that the Celtics, as we've known them the last couple of years, have not been able to do. You know, they play up and down to their competition, uh, usually down. And unfortunately, these are games that typically, even if they eke them out, they're not real good, convincing, fun wins the way that we've had the last couple of days where, like you said, Tatum's gone off for 80 plus points. Brown has been really solid and, you know, they're, they're getting contributions from everywhere. The biggest thing though, if you know, you're, you're to really look at something that that does matter going forward is, you know, what's the common thread in these injuries beyond obviously, or these, these games, uh, these wins, other than just the fact that they were blowouts is, you know, they've been healthy. Everybody has been available. You know, the only guys who have not been out there are guys that aren't going to be out there who are, you know, PJ Dozier and Bull Bull, who maybe we'll see at the very end of the year. Everybody else has been available. And I think we are seeing glimpses anyway of what this team is capable of being when it's healthy. And that doesn't mean obviously one that's going to regularly win by anywhere between 30 and 60 points, but it's a team that, you know, really should be a, a top, four or five seed in the Eastern conference. You know, they've got the talent, they've got the depth to be that. I don't think the, the roster construction is so overly flawed that, that they can't be that group. You know, clearly they're not where ultimately they need to be. They're not a championship contender, even in a a best case scenario where everything breaks right this year. I think, you know, perfect scenario They're They're still probably going down the second round best case conference finals, and no one will be surprised if they get knocked out in the play-in tournament and don't make the playoffs at all. It, it's a real Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, I think one thing that 
you know, you can't help but look at, obviously, is over the last, uh, a, a friend of mine sent me a text earlier today, and I, I even posted on on Twitter, but I'll, I'll read it to you, which was for the last two weeks, the Celtics are sixth in offense, fifth in defense, second in net rating, and they're five and three. That's not good. That's a problem. And a lot of that comes back to coaching and mistakes that have been made by Ime Odoka and rotations. And, you know, at times just sort of seeming like they don't really know what they're doing. So, I mean, long-winded answer made just a, a little bit longer is trade deadline, like you said, is February 10th. It's coming up. Uh, I think that I'm certainly of the mind that they're not a, a team that's going to be a, a seller, at least in the, in the broad sense. They're not going to be a team that's looking to tank. May they get rid of some veterans that aren't going to be part of their championship futures, like a, a Dennis Schroeder or Josh Richardson, maybe even an Al Horford, you know, to maybe make room for some of the younger guys and actually develop them. Yeah, I could see that. I could certainly see that as a possibility. I'd, I'd advocate for it. I mean, I'd like to keep Horford around uh, because I don't think you'd get much for him anyway. And I, I do think he's an important guy, both on and off the court to this locker room and this team and these guys as a, a veteran mentor who's had some deep playoff runs. But, uh, you know, Schroeder, as much as he might give you offensively when Smart or Richardson are out of the lineup, I mean, he's he's gone. Like, he's gone next year. He's not going to be on this team. And so if you can get a couple second-round picks for him or you can find a way to, you know, have another team take on his salary and and you get some sort of something in exchange and, and ultimately the payoff is not really what you're getting but what you're opening up, which is more time for, for Peyton Pritchard to play and Aaron Neesmith to to play and, and Romeo Langford to get some minutes, sign me up, do that because that's the way we've seen it with Brown and Tatum and, and smart, obviously guys that have been through the ringer high round draft picks granted, but guys that, you know, have, have developed on the fly and built and, and are really, you know, we know who they are. We know what Tatum and Brown can be um, even more so, but we don't really know if, there's something there in Pritchard, in in Neesmith, in Langford, and Grant Williams, and some of these guys. Like, let's find out if you have some real role players that can that can serve important roles, and they aren't just you know the placeholders of the past, like Shemi Ojale and Carson Edwards and Gershon Yabaselli and guys like that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of, of all those role players, and I really want to see guys like Peyton Pritchard as well really get a chance because. You know, maybe guys like Schroeder are crowding the minutes. So it'd be interesting to see what the Celtics do with those veterans at the trade deadline. But let's jump to another sport on the field. Obviously, Jack's favorite sport over here in the Boston Red Sox. And he had some big happy news for him yesterday. And Big Poppy made Cooperstown uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I guess it's a simple question to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Would you have voted for David Ortiz in this year's Hall of Fame? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, David Ortiz is, is without a doubt, he's unequivocally a a first ballot hall of famer. And as we know, he's now the 58th ever first ballot hall of Famer, famer out of the uh, 268 guys that are now in the hall as, as former players out of the nearly 20,000 that have played major league baseball. And it's well over a century. I mean, this is not an achievement to make light of. I, I realize what, what people, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, detriment uh, to, you know, any of the, what basically 22% of the people that didn't vote for him, you know, the reservations they had with respect to being linked or suspicion of PEDs, that flawed 2003 test that major league baseball really, I mean, threw out and said it didn't matter. It's just, I, I just think that ultimately, and I, I tweeted a ton about this yesterday. We just, we have this huge double standard uh, where, I mean, the, the, the voting system, the BBWAA it's, it's, 
broken. It, it's completely broken. It's, you know, the character clause has, has, you know, it's so wildly open to interpretation. It shouldn't exist in the first place, but it's so open to interpretation where it's allowed voters to make this a popularity contest. David Ortiz was beloved, continues to be a, a fan favorite, a media darling, works in the media now. Everybody loves David Ortiz. I love David Ortiz. I'm sure you guys love David Ortiz. Barry Bonds was vilified, hated, scolded. His teammates didn't like him. His managers didn't like him. The media didn't like him. They, you know, he didn't like any of them. And it, you know, it's that it's, it's not PEDs. It's not the size of his head. It's not the, the body growth. It's, it's not, you know, all that stuff that, that he's not in the hall of fame. It's the fact that he wasn't liked because honestly, you look back on that era we don't really know. I mean, short of the guys that we know, like, you know, Manny Ramirez or, you know, other guys that that failed tests that, you know, were beyond suspicion or, or you know, admitted cheaters, you know, guys who were guilty, suspended like an Alex Rodriguez, like, you know, beyond that, we don't know who definitively who did it, who didn't. We have our suspicions, we have our opinions, but we don't know. And so, you know, these voters have have taken it upon themselves to just sort of go all willy nilly with it and and hold certain guys accountable. The the bonds, the Clemens, you know, shilling for what kind of person he is, having nothing to do with what he did on the field, you know, saying he wanted journalists to be lynched and all of that, uh, you know, Sosa and McGuire and so on. While you have like, you know, Pudge and Bagwell and all these guys that are in the hall or, or you know, Bud Selig, who presided over all of it and turned a blind eye to all of it you know, in, in the best interests of the game and not losing fan support and younger audiences and all of it and embracing the home run chase. And then all of a sudden, once it becomes inconvenient again, because, you know, it's, it's stained legacies in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame's a museum, guys. It's a museum. It should encapsulate the history of the game and and to, to not honor guys who are no doubt Hall of Famers, even before they did or didn't do something wrong. Just look at, like, I, I don't know how you can have so many of these guys out and, and yeah, I'm, and I, I have no problem with the PEDs full disclosure. I, it was good for baseball. It was, it was so like Manny Ramirez, a rod bonds, Clemens, like Pete Rose, like all these guys, they belong in the hall of fame. And so does David Ortiz. Well, it doesn't seem like there is a right or wrong answer. And this is going to be a debate that lasts until the end of time adam kaufman the best as always over with wbz news boston we appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much for being here anytime thank you so much to adam kaufman for coming on the mac and main show full disclosure that interview was recorded uh last week and so we did not know what was going to happen in the nfl so much happened in the nfl uh including you know the wild championship games and also the of course retirement or somewhat retirement of one Mr. Tom Brady. And that's and that's kind of where we stand right now. And we wish that we had the ability to go back and be like, Adam, what do you think about Brady maybe retiring? And and you know, we that's just that's just radio. Yeah, sometimes. just that's, that's that's how it works. Base. You know, we can't always get people live all the time here as we like to do with some of our other guest stars we had in the past. But yeah, it was interesting. I, I was scrolling through before the show and I was like, wait a second, Tom Brady didn't officially retire yet, question mark, because right. Of his appearance on his uh, Let's Go podcast with um, Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray, he also said uh, basically that he hasn't made a decision yet. He's still thinking about it. 
which, you know, we don't know what that means. Is he going to retire eventually? Right. Um, all that stuff. Do so. you have a clip? I could not find a clip, unfortunately. Okay. So we don't have a clip, but we do. But Brady did say on on this podcast, on this Let's Go podcast, that he has not made a decision on whether or not he wants to retire. And if I'm being completely honest, I agree that Tom Brady doesn't know if he wants to retire. And I know, well, why can you, how, Jack, what qualifies you to agree with Tom Brady? Jack, why do you, why do you care what Tom Brady does? He's no longer a New England Patriot. Look, first of all, Tom Brady was my, was my childhood. David Ortiz was my childhood. And the fact that Adam Kaufman would have voted for Big Poppy, that hits right here. <laughs> um, but he also brings up a good point about the steroids, a debate for a different day. Matter of the fact is, Brady is the most polarizing figure in the history of professional sports. You can argue Michael Jordan. You can argue a bunch of individual athletes. But in terms of greatness, consistency, longevity, and the drive to win, it doesn't get any better than number 12 from the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My only question to Brady's camp and to Adam Scheffner, who broke the news. Who are your sources? Because the original, because when Adam Scheffner tweets something, people listen. He's the head NFL reporter at ESPN. He originally broke the news that Tom Brady retired. He said, per sources, Brady's going to retire. Who are your sources? And why is Tom Brady denying it? That's the problem with, you know, and we run into this problem too as journalists breaking news right away. That's a problem with, you know, people that have built themselves up to a rapport like uh, Adam Schefter, like an Adrian Wojnarowski. They say per sources, and we believe it because of the name. But we never really ask, where are you getting this information from? And I get it. People want to remain anonymous. People don't want to, you know, reveal themselves as of the public because they might be uncomfortable with. They might be a source that people don't like uh, in the public figure. I get that. But I feel like it's as, as, as journalists... And we know this, we've been taught this, and for the public's sake, we should have a right to know, more often than not, who your sources are. Can you tell us who your sources are? If you don't want to confirm the sources, I don't think it should be broken, especially in a situation like this, especially in a retirement situation. Let the guy make the announcement first. Yeah. So, and <laughs> I saw something funny on on, a, on Twitter, actually, about Adam Schefter as well. It's from Barstool. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, you remember seeing the Adam Schefter gritty dance? I think yeah. it was during oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. They had him doing the gray dance backwards because it was like Schefter trying to take his tweet back. <laughs> Pretty backwards. Hey. hey listen, hey. Adam Schefter easily could have rolled, uh, easily could have, you know, put up a whole fight. Yeah, and I, I like Adam Schefter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bash the guy. I'm just saying it how it is, right? Like, yeah. could let, let us know who you talk to, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that, yeah. and that, and that comes, that's all it boils down to. My surprise was that Tom Brady would make a decision about retiring less than one week after his last game. He didn't even have a full week of like regular off time before making the biggest decision of his yeah. of his career. Why would you believe that he would that he would come out with that? Like in like he didn't even have a week to rest. You would he got more time in between games than he did to make his retirement decision after his last game. I don't. I think Tom Brady will retire. I do. I just think that his camp wanted to time it out a little bit better, and that it was going to be announced on the last episode of Man in the Arena. Yeah, I which, think, and we we talked about this too. Like, why release a documentary when your career isn't officially over yet? But 
now we, we saw the news and we thought about Manny Arena more. It's like, yeah, maybe this is his kind of like closing out party, his last hurrah. So I'm interested to see how this all folds. I do agree with you. I do think Brady is going to retire as sad as that is considering he's literally played in the league for the same amount of years that I have been alive, yep. which is crazy at 22 years. Same right here. Wild. But yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's kudos to, to, to a big career. It is absolutely kudos to a big career. We don't have a ton of time before we have to skedaddle. And you know what? Jack Maine going on sports pause tonight. Everybody tune in 930. Q30TV.com slash watch. Um, but before we get to this, what do we want to hit here? Do we want to hit Patriots offseason moves or do we want to I think we hit... should run through offseason moves. We should. Okay, so Adam was on the show uh, today, obviously. Shout out Adam Kaufman. We, we appreciate you. Um, you know, he said the Patriots need to go find some weapons yes. for Max Jones. And there are a number of names that are going to be available this offseason. Number one, Allen Robinson. Number two, Odell Beckham Jr., number three, Juju Smith-Schuster. Then there's a couple guys in the draft that the Patriots could go select. Chris Olive, a 6'1 wide receiver out of the Ohio State University. (laughs) And then Drake London, a 6'5 wide receiver out of USC. 6'5 wide receiver sounds like the recipe for a Randy Moss style Yeah, potentially. He also uh, had some injury reports. I looked into the the draft report on that when I found that name. But yeah, 6'5 is definitely awesome for a receiver, especially when they need someone that's kind of more of a deep threat downfield because they have speedsters in Aguilar and Bourne who can like cut you up across the middle of the field, some short routes, but they don't really have that uh, big deep threat they can rely on. And... I think those those free agency names that you listed too with Robinson, Beckham Jr. and Smith Schuster, I don't think it's a one, two, three straight order. I think I think the move for the Patriots, if they if they use the twenty first pick to get Olaver London, and then they try to sign one of those key guys in the offseason. So you're saying because at that point they'd have to get rid of somebody. Yeah. Who were they getting rid of? If uh, they get if they sign so if they get two if they bring in two players, if they yeah. bring in two wide receivers, you gotta get rid of at least Two wide receivers. So on the chopping block, I would assume you have Gunnar Oshevsky, because whoever comes in could easily return punts, even yeah. though Gunnar's been all pro. Yeah. You replace Gunnar, and then Jacoby Myers goes. Maybe. Or maybe one of the running backs goes. Yeah, I, I, maybe you consider letting J.J. Taylor walk or something like that. J. Or J. Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden's going to be free agent this offseason. James White comes down. Yeah, if James White comes down to retirement, which I would believe that that is a very strong possibility mm-hmm. after a hip injury. I think the main key thing, though, and, and I, I agree with Adam, I think the wide receiver position is definitely in need of improvement. I think the defense should be the, obviously the bigger focus because we've seen how good Patriots teams have been. It's not really mainly been their offenses, it's been mostly their defenses, right. but getting them to, to good spots. And you have a very, in, two interesting situations in the defense that I know, so you got to keep track of got to try to resign JC in some way. He's absolutely too, too big of a corner to lose. He's an unrestricted free agent uh, coming up this offseason. Has been the team's leader in interceptions for the past two seasons. Uh, eight interceptions this year at second in the NFL, nine the year prior. So he's definitely someone you got to try to bring back. And the linebacker core is going to be big too. Uh, Hightower, Collins, and Benley are all free agents this season. And Van Noy will be free agent, a free agent the following season. So with them... I think you got to try to do a sign a one and a two kind of deal and then see if you can negotiate Van Noy the next year. I think Bentley's probably the higher priority considering he's the youngest of the three. Sits at about 25. Collins and Hightower are 32 and 31 respectively. 
So I think Bentley's the main priority there. And if you can choose Collins or Hightower, I go Hightower. I would go Hightower as well, considering Jamie Collins has been cut from like three NFL teams yeah. in his career. And Dante Hightower is a captain of that defense. And Van Noy, time and time again, continues to prove his worth. And it also could be that the that the Patriots do want to go get a defensive player in the draft, especially considering Chase Winovich really did not have a great year. Uh, he led the yeah. team in sacks in the COVID season, the Cam Newton season. With three and a half. So Chase Winovich is not exactly that guy, pal, when it comes to uh, the next great Patriots linebacker because they've had a great history of uh, developing linebackers. You start with Teddy Bruschi, and then you move down into Gerard Mayo. You can move down to Dante Hightower. Jamie Collins was a pro bowler before Belichick traded him to Cleveland. And same with... uh, Chandler Jones before they traded him over to Arizona when he became an All Pro. Yeah. So, look, the New England Patriots—they're great at developing. They're great at developing linebackers. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Belichick goes for one in the draft, considering Winovich has not been that guy. Right. They might. They might consider using the second or the third round to get those defensive kind of players. This worked in the past with other players they've drafted in that point. So, and I think receiver is definitely harder to. Harder to find a deep threat receiver. You can find like slot receivers, but they already have plenty of those. Yep. They need to try to find like a deep threat receiver within that first they round. They do. And going and finding a guy is uh, is going to be really important. Okay, we don't have a ton of time, so we are going to get in to the Blitz 4-6. Are you ready? Yeah. You want me to start off? You go ahead. All right. We start with the NFL head coach in Carousel, uh, Josh McDaniels, obviously one of the more recent ones who's joining up the Los Angeles. Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know why I stumbled on that. But there have been other coaches that have been hired to new teams across the NFL. Matt Eberflus, the former Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator, will join the Bears, replacing Matt Nagy. It's about dang time. The Denver Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett, who's the former Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator as their head coach. Brian Dable will be the first head coach of the Joe Schoen New York Giants era. He previously served as the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. The NCAA men's basketball polls have been updated. Kentucky takes a huge jump from 12 to 5 in the latest AP polls. After their 18-point win against Kansas on Saturday night, Auburn and Gonzaga remain at 1 and 2 in the polls while UCLA and Purdue climb to 3 and 4. Illinois was second and the greatest riser in was the great was the second greatest riser in the poll, excuse me, from 24 to 18. The biggest falls in the poll featured Kansas, who plummeted from 5 to 10, and LSU from 19 to 25. Listen, I remember last year UCLA being one of the best teams to watch Cam March Madness. They were an 11 seed. They They have a lot of returning guys on that roster, so they're going to be a fun team to watch again. But jumping to another college, we're going to talk about Nebraska and its mascot to avoid signs of white supremacy. Nebraska Cornhuskers have decided to alter the hand gesture of its mascot, Herbie Husker. The original cartoon image of the mascot featured a picture with his left hand making the OK sign like this, Jack, uh, with the index finger and thumb forcing, uh, forming a close circle. However, some white supremacists have taken the symbol and use it as a gesture for white power, where the middle cool. ring and pinky fingers make a W shape. So not cool at all. The Matthews left hand now shows a weird number one sign with index figure raised to signify the one. That's very great, cool. Right it's there. a great story. <laughs> MLB The Show athlete cover has been unveiled. Angel star Shohei Otani has been named 
The MLB The Show cover athlete for 2022. The two-way star was the unanimous AL MVP this past season, smacking 46 home runs, driving in 100 RBIs, and having an ERA under 3.5. What a unicorn of a player he is. Otani will become the first Asian-born athlete to make an appearance on the American version of MLB The Show. The game will be available in April, and it will be making its debut on Nintendo Switch, and it will remain on its sister platforms of the PlayStation and Xbox. I look forward to seeing you play Diamond Dynasty in the room <laughs> once again. DBS produced the worst halftime show in the history oh, of the shoot. NFL. I don't oh, have I don't boy. have the I don't have the sound. You go ahead and read it though. All right. CBS had the AFC Championship game as they usually do, but the Kansas City Chiefs clearly didn't care as during halftime, the Chiefs on field staff set up speakers behind the sideline for the crowd right behind CBS on the field desk. So you can hear the Applebee's uh, on a late night song in the background. Uh, Jack wants to. I think, yeah, I think I have a clip. Go ahead, add, add, hit the next one, hit the next one. Hit the, oh, hit the next story. No, we're good, we're good, I got it. No, I was. I think I wasn't even done with the next story. Yeah, so as you can hear, it is just is not a great look. Just is not great. Not a great look for CBS and not a great look for the Chiefs. Rafael Nadal won the Australian Open. Nadal secured his 21st Grand Slam title. The first one to hit the 21, Mark Federer and, and Djokovic each have 20. Nadal was originally banned from the event because of his vaccination status, but had a, his appeal go through multiple law officials. He was granted asylum for the tournament. Take out the brooms if you're a Quinnipiac basketball fan because they just swept the MAC Player of the Week awards. Kevin Marfo of the men's team and Mackenzie DeWeese of the women's team were named MAC Players of the Week. Marfo pulled down 28 rebounds and scored 33 points in two games against Iona and Marist. While DeWeese, the former MAC Player of the Year, hit the career 200 steal mark and scored 34 points in two games and led the Bobcats to win after being down by 26 to Niagara. You wrote St. Peter's in the script, I ah, but I fixed it. Niagara, not St. Peter's, Niagara. Well-deserved. Congratulations to both of them. Kevin Marfo, Mackenzie DeWeese, two outstanding basketball players at Quinnipiac, and uh, I'm going to go talk about their teams on Sports Pause here in uh, just about 30 minutes over on uh, Q30 television. So we have uh, about two minutes before we have to exit the air. Uh, usually we're pressed for time, so we don't do winners and losers, but this week... We're going to do winners and losers. Okay. So I'm just springing it on you. You know the rules, right? Pick a winner and a loser of the week, right? Exactly. Right. I have uh, I have a loser of the week. Actually, no, I have a winner of the week. And you know what? My winner of the week is America. You know why? Okay, why? Jackson Mahomes will not be making TikToks <laughs> at the Super Bowl this year. How amazing does that sound? Pretty I don't cool. care who wins the game anymore. I'm just really glad that Patrick Mahomes is not taking his brother on a one-way trip to L.A. to make TikToks. My winner of the week is going to be uh, Joe Burrow for Joe making Shiesty. that happen as well. Joe Shasty. I'm going to go Joe get his Burr. jersey. He's an American. You know why? Hero. Not only for the win, but also I saw a TikTok and he had the uh, the classic pipe in his mouth oh doing the, the, the Gotti, I think is what the dance is called. Carmine Grippo is like what? Mr. Sex Appeal? Yeah. I don't know what Joe, Joe Burrow is. America's sex appeal. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. My loser has to be John Surratt, based on what a story oh I heard God. from class today. Um, <laughs> apparently, he dropped his charger in the middle of a class with his about Mac charger, how many yeah. people was in how many people was in your class, Jack? Oh, it's it's a full classroom, full class. Yep. So like twenty people. Twenty. Yeah. So in front of twenty people and a professor, he dropped his charger, and it sounded like a bottle of champagne hitting it the did. ground. It did. It was a, it was uncanny. We all looked back. We're like, John, what are you doing, bro? And he's like, <laughs> my charger. Uh, it, it was. Uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy. My my loser of the week, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac Dining. Come on, man. Quinnipiac Dining out here lacking. The food options so far this semester have been piss poor. That's all. I'm just I'm just gonna hey, leave it right out there. I had some pretty good steak on Saturday at the uh, cash. You you can say that I they might have been good, but or the, Sunday, my bad. The, Sunday. The, the the dining services just continues to be terrible. Uh, I had to get sushi today because everything on the salad bar was browned over. There wasn't any rice available at the at the at the station downstairs. Uh, it, they're just they're lacking with staff. I really think that's what it is. And Quinnipiac is just too cheap to like to like you know pay pay these kids that the money they deserve in order to serve us food. Yeah, we gotta eat. Yeah, we gotta I'm eat, with you, boys and girls. I'm with you. Hey, listen, if you ever miss an episode of the Mac and Main Show, go sh- make sure you check them out on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to go follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main, like us on Facebook, and as always, you can catch us live every Monday night at 8 p.m. right here on 98.1 WQAQ and streaming worldwide at WQAQ.com. One of the better shows that we've had in quite some time. Huge thanks to Adam Kaufman for popping on. Eric Kerr, as always, next week's Super Bowl special. You aren't going to want to miss it. You are listening to 98.1 WQAQ.